literally no message that he will not, no mess that he will not turn into a message if you give it to him. You're willing to leave it all behind, hand it over to God, and let him. Anyone familiar with uh, a Japanese uh, art form called kintsugi? They take broken pottery, things like that, and they put it back together. They don't throw it away like we do. Sometimes we throw stuff away even when it's not broken, just because we want something else. We're so blessed. Amen. They take and put it back together, but they use gold. And so, once it's restored to its form again, it's, it's, it's even more valuable, more precious than it was before. That's you. That's me. When we let God take our mess and make it into a message. Amen. How many of you, like me, just so glad to be here? <laughs> I can't even believe, you know, I believe it. Don't get me wrong, I believe. But just so blessed to be a part of the kingdom of God. No weapon formed against you can prosper. And every tongue rising up against you, you shall condemn. Why? Because this is the inheritance of the children of God. And that's what you are. Hear it. That's, that's powerful. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to come together in this place you've given us to worship you, your children. As we open up the pure manna from heaven, Lord, your precious word, we just thank you for helping us to receive it and to open hearts, plowed ground, Lord, that we receive the seed of the word of God and protect and nurture it, allow it to take root and bear fruit in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the acronym for Grace and Truth Church's help. Heal, empower, love, and prosper the body of Christ. Lord, we know that it's just like the oxygen mass falling down in the, in the plane that's coming down. You, you put it on yourself first so that you will be useful to help the others. And that's my prayer for all who are here today and who will hear this message all around the world, Lord, that they be helped, that they allow you to heal them everywhere they hurt, to empower them, that they know the depth of your love, and that you prosper them in every way so that they may in turn help others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we want to thank God for this free nation we live in today. Thank God that our, we have a president who's protecting the church. Amen. Made a deal with Mexico. Amen. Praise God. I love avocados. <laughs> Amen. Well, turn in the word. To Second Kings chapter six.
2 Kings chapter 6. Most of you are familiar with this passage of Scripture. But I'm just going to read it to re-familiarize us. Starting at the 8th verse. Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not past this place, for the Syrians are are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself once more, there more than once or twice. (laughs) And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? Just to give you a little story on this. So Elisha, the man of God, he's hearing from God. He's getting a word of knowledge from God. Walking in the gifts of the Spirit. And he's, since Israel... The people of God are at war with Syria. He's hearing from God where Syria, what the king of Syria is saying basically in his bedchamber. He's getting all his secrets, military, he knows where they're going to be and when, so that Israel's always ready for them. And he thinks, this king says, okay, who who amongst us is a spy? Somebody's, Somebody's rotten here. But they tell him, no. It's this prophet from Israel. So I'm going to read on. The mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. And it was told him, Behold, he's in Dalton. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army. And they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? They're surrounded. A great army is around this one prophet and his servant. The servant walks out of the tent in the morning and says, Oh man, we are in it. What are we going to do? But Elisha said, Do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. (laughs) Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. So 
they're surrounded by an army in the natural. But don't you know that the people of God are supernatural? And everything that we see was created by things that we cannot see. And just like the king of Syria sent out an army that day to get the man of God, the man of God's daddy sent his army to surround that army. Amen. And now, he sent an army, but I think just one one warring angel killed about 180,000 people in one night, didn't he? And that's only because God stopped them. It's quite a show of force. No, you're not. You're going to touch my anointing. You know, there are scriptures that were already in place in Elisha's day that talks about the armies of God. I'm not convinced that Elisha even really saw them. He just knew they were there. I believe that he asked the Lord to allow the young man to see, and he did see into the Spirit. But I don't think it was a requirement for Elisha. Remember what Jesus told Doubting Thomas? You've seen me. You believe it. More blessed is he who believes but hasn't seen. How many of you today believe and you still haven't seen him? Well, you're more blessed than Thomas. How many of you believe John the Baptist was a great man of God? I do. Why? Jesus said he was the greatest man that ever lived prior to that time. But then what did he say? The very least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist, who was the greatest who ever lived before Jesus came. Every one of you is qualified for that. But do you believe it? That's what George was talking about earlier. You know, I've had... I'm blessed to see all of you here today. If you see all the text messages I have, though, from people who aren't here, and the reasons... I say, I love them. I love them. But I'm... I'm surprised that some Christians are are getting by. I thank God, you know, that God has a way of getting His provision and protecting us even when we just live like knuckleheads. But this is spiritual food. Just like George was saying, the Word of God has to be important in the life of a believer. I'm coming to a place when people start coming to me for prayer. Of course, I'm always praying for them anyway. But I'm going to ask them what scripture they're standing on. And if they don't have one, we're going to find one together. Because it's important that people know that the same 
Bible that I'm preaching out of was written to them. And they got five of them sitting at the house. <laughs> every version, every translation. I never forget one time we were living over in Ravensway and I <clears throat> Martin lived up in the loft. He thought that was cool because he was the oldest. And anyway, one day one day his mom had been trying to get him out of the bed for a while and I just threw something up there. A long time ago, I just threw something over the rail and bang, bang, bang! You knocked my Bible off of the table. I said, "Man, I just knocked the dust off of that thing." I'd never seen it open. <laughs> I know that's how it was around my house when I was a kid. We thought we were Christians. There was a Bible there, had all the deaths written in. The family line, you know. And it definitely needed dusting off a lot. When Tavana and I found out we weren't Christians and we thought we were, I mean, she was a full-blown Pentecostal kid. Of course, she knew everybody was going to hell because that's what they taught her at the church, so she just acted like it anyway. With me. <laughs> and, like I say in my book, I was baptized... More than once. Once drunk. <laughs> and all I got was wet. There was no heart transformation. There was no encounter with God. You know what I mean? There was no... So to get baptized in water, that doesn't save anybody. That's an outer expression of an inner commitment and change. A testimony to the world as part of what the Lord has asked us to do. We're saying, hey, I've entered in with Him into His death, His burial, and resurrection. Now, the life that I live in this body is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The same power that raised Him from the dead lives in me and gives life to this mortal body. Jesus says, when you pray, believe that you have what you pray for when you pray. And you shall have it. Seems backwards, doesn't it? I don't know. I can, I probably, I don't know how many times I've heard people say, well, I I will believe when I see it. Or when I feel it. This is a problem. Because God doesn't work that way. God is not sitting up there. Yes, yes, no, no. Nice, nice, naughty list, no, yes. He's not. When you pray, He's not deciding. There are spiritual laws in place. This word is established. This is the only thing that's going to be here when we're gone. We'll still be talking about this in heaven. I know a guy that went there, and he's he was he met some of the apostles, Paul and I don't know. We'll say Peter. We're having a conversation, and everybody said, "What were they talking about?" He said, "The word." Isn't that awesome? 
God wants to heal us everywhere we hurt. That part, people love. Oh, good. But then it's followed by things like, I hope so. I really hope so. George even said something that I just... If we could get people just to see things a little differently about the things God wants to do, if we can just understand that He already has done them, you'll have a lot better success in your prayer life. I promise. You are a three-part being. Spirit, soul, and body. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 is a witness to that, okay? You know you have a body. We're all very aware of this vain thing. We are familiar with the soulish realm. That's our, our mind, our, our free will, and our emotions. And that's where most people finish. They live out of their soulish realm. And because of that, you see all the departures in our culture and all sorts of things. Politics. But the problem is a spiritual one. We are a spirit. God created us in His image, did He not? What did John, Jesus, tell the woman at the well? God is a spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Right? We are spirit with a soul riding around in a body. When we're born again, that spirit is renewed. The corrupted nature of Satan is cast out. Ushered in is the spirit of God. Renewed, restored, sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Our, one third of our salvation is done. Then we go about Renewing our minds, don't we? The soulish realm has been corrupted by the world. Everything that goes out in and, and, and these eye and ear gates, it affects us. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Those who those who keep counsel with wise folks become wise, right? But the companion of fools will suffer harm. It's just true. We know that much. We have been mistaught. Sometimes it's not even sinful. The carnal nature, not nature, but the carnal aspects of our life. Because sometimes it's just because we have to live. We have to go to work. We have to encounter all sorts of things in this life. Much less all the things we actually intend to set before us. Although he says, 
I shall set no vile thing before me. We do. But it brings in corruption. Why? Because anything that doesn't line up with the truth is a lie. And if we're more convinced of the lie than the truth, which we will be if we're more subjected to the lie than the truth, then it's going to bring death in all its various forms. So, it's imperative that for us to receive all that's been provided by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ through the the cross, through His atonement, we have to be able to open our spiritual eyes. We have to be able to see ourselves after the Spirit. Why Why does the Bible say, if you've been born again, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Right? 1 Corinthians 5.27 All things. But but then people leave the... the uh, I don't know. What do, you, what do you call the things? Like when Billy Graham has the big thing out there. The revival or whatever. They went forward. They said it. They were happy to receive the free gift of salvation, but then they leave and they're like, they look in the mirror. Wait, I still, I still have the same blemishes and imperfections in my outer appearance, but it says all things have become new. All right, well, I still got some of the old habits, some of the stinking thinking I had. I just let one fly when that guy passed me going 90 miles an hour. Cut me off. But this says I have the mind of Christ. What does that lead people to do? I guess it didn't work for me. I knew that my sins were too bad for it to be that easy. I'm just going to go on about my business. And then, if they do, which many, many do, believe me, they're saved and stuck. And then they go and they don't renew their minds according to the Word of God and the condition becomes worse than it was before they ever came forward in in faith. This is the responsibility of the church. And not just the preachers. I do blame the preachers. But God says, well, you can, you can know it's their fault, but just leave them alone. They're mine. So I'll leave them alone. Because I do love them. And some of them were taught wrong too. But when you go sit in a church and you don't even know that physical healing is just a, much a part of your inheritance as this forgiveness of your sins... What did Jesus say? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise, take up your mat and walk. They wouldn't answer. So he got frustrated with them. It's easier for us to say, your sins are forgiven. Why? We can't see a sin. We can't see the forgiveness. But we can sure see that invalid sitting there. And it's hard to get past this 
soulless realm, our mind, our will, and our emotions. But we have to. Why? Look in, look in Ephesians chapter 1. Everybody with me? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is going to bless us. Did I mess it up? And say he's going to? Has blessed us. Past tense. Has blessed us. In Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Oh, well, there you go. See, that's it's all going to be great when we get home someday. We just suffer through this life. Nope. Of course, everything's wonderful there. And if that's, just, that's all you ever get, good. My brother passed away without ever learning the benefits of walking in power and victory in this life. But I know he's with the Lord. Amen. But I'm tired of seeing people suffer and struggle and be sick and tired and hurt and depressed and broke. That is not God's intention for His children in this life. He has provided for us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Look over in Peter. Second Peter, a little further back, first chapter, same thing, verse 2, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. How does that sound? <laughs> Just a show of hands, is that a good thing? Grace and peace multiplied, man, yes, I will have some of that. Well, it's saying it can be multiplied to us and it's through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. The word's important. But look, in verse 3, His divine power is going to grant us. Wrong again? Okay, His divine power has granted. It's done. Has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's this life. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted, there it is again, to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them, through the promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature. The promises, the provision is, is, is in the promises, right? Second Peter chapter 1. So where are these promises? They're in this book I'm holding. The one you're looking into. There is a promise concerning you for every situation and circumstance that comes against you in this life. Why is it so cool for us to see 
the passage of Scripture where the leper says, Lord Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. You can heal me. This is the cool part. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man who had leprosy and said, I'm willing. Be cleansed. Be healed. And he was healed. Why is that so important to you? That man didn't have this book. You do. He didn't have an account of somebody having already had that blessing bestowed upon them by Jesus. You do. My Bible tells me that God is no respecter of persons. The ground is leveled at the foot of the cross. Amen. There is no one that God loves more than you. If he did it for one, he'll do it for you. He's no respecter of persons. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's good news. So there's a promise. You see how you see how it works? You find that scripture <coughs> and you stand on it. All the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. Why do we need to understand spirit, soul, and body? Because all of the provision of God through the atonement of Jesus Christ is found in your spirit, man. You do not have to get a prayer above the above your nose. You don't have to get a bunch of prayer warriors and get a prayer through to God. Why? You know the Holy of Holies, the temple that they had in Israel, <clears throat> where only one priest could go once a year with a rope tied around his leg in case he had sin in his life and they'd drag him out dead because they couldn't go in after him. That's where God dwelled. That holy that that temple is gone. That was just a type and shadow of your salvation. The Holy of Holies is right here. The kingdom of God dwells in you. <coughs> the mind of Christ. Galatians 5:22. Right before Ephesians and Philippians, Galatians 5.22. Listen. <clears throat> the fruit of the Spirit, capital S. That's the Holy Spirit of God who lives in you. Is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Self-control. I always want to say meekness and temperance because that's the King James. So all of that is the fruit of the Spirit. What am I saying? All the peace, love, and joy that you're seeking and yearning for and depressed about not having and, and looking for in all the wrong places is... <coughs> uh, some would say. You've been carrying it around with you the whole time. All the peace, love, and joy you'll ever need is right here. The way you draw it out is by coming into agreement with it. 
getting your soulish realm in agreement with the promises and provision of God and His Word. And once you do that, your spirit and soul are in agreement, your body will just line up. Because when you believe it, you'll speak it. You're speaking your future every day. God created everything we know with His words. And then He created you in His image. You're created being too. The problem is, <clears throat> if the devil can trick you, he'll get you to do some creating for him too. Because he has no authority to do it. He wants you to give him your authority. Every time we get out of character, every time we get out of character, I'm not going to read the things, but just go back a couple of verses and you can see all the things that are not the Spirit of God, but they're the other guy. <clears throat> and every time you line up with those things, you're fighting for the wrong team. It always breaks my heart when I'm ministering to folks and they're so mad at God about something that's happened in their life. And I have to tell them, what you've done is you've aligned yourself with the enemy who really did this thing to you. And you're fighting against the one who wants to help you. God didn't do that. That's another terrible teaching that's found in the body of Christ. One of those sacred cows that has to be killed. About the sovereignty of God. We all know that God is the Alpha and Omega. Nobody more powerful, all-knowing. But listen... He didn't create us to be robots. He wanted a family that would choose Him for Him. That's why He gave you a free will, knowing the heartbreak it would cause Him. Because out of that, many will perish, but there are there is a family that is coming to Him. He sowed the best seed that He had. And from that seed, He's getting a family like you. Praise God. I'm thinking about stopping here. I know it's I've been here a while, so I just want to touch on a couple of things. Go to Isaiah forty thirty one. I'll just let the Lord change my thinking here a little bit. Because I, when that happens, I feel like the Lord's telling me He's already made His point, and so I don't want to. I don't want to add something in the flesh when God's already taking it home. Isaiah forty thirty one scripture I've been standing on, and most of you love. They who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Waiting on the Lord is a, not a do-nothing thing. It's a 
putting him at the forefront of all your thoughts and deeds. I don't get out of bed in the morning without thanking the Lord for His love and faithfulness. Welcoming the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me through that day because without Him I don't, I'm nothing. And we need to find the promises that pertain to the pertinent areas of our life, the things that are happening to us. Find the the Rama word, the now word for what's happening, what's going on. Stand on it, write it down, put it on. You got magnets all over your refrigerator anyway. Use a couple of them to hang some scriptures up there. Speak them verbally. Let that loose into the environment. Create an apostolic atmosphere in your own home, in your own vehicle. Speak the Word of God. <clears throat> this will align with the Word of God. You know, they, they have a, a study. There's a Japanese scientist that came out with a study with just water crystals. <clears throat> and the different things that impact... Have you ever seen the study where they took the two jars of fresh rice and they put... Uh, they wrote negative things. You're ugly, you're rotten, you're no good, and all that, and they glued it on the, the jar of one. And the other one said, you're a beautiful, wonderful, healthy rice, so forth. And, and they just set them side by side, and then they compared them like a week later, and one was just totally dead, just black and nasty, and the other one was fresh as a daisy. They did the same thing, sort of, with uh, water crystals. This scientist is... Is doing that. He's uh, speaking, speaking uh, things over this water, and uh, just ugly things, and then freezing, like flash freeze. And then he examined the the cells under the microscope, and he sees all sorts of corruption and death, basically. And then, and then he did the good the good side with the water. So flash froze it, examined it, and it was prospering and totally healthy. Well, our bodies are, I think, about 75% water. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm telling you, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Watch your words. Watch your words. When, you, when you're going after something, don't forget that all the provision is in the Spirit. You cannot discern... All the things that Jesus died to provide that are on account for you, already has blessed us with, you cannot discern those things in your soulless realm, which is all most people know. That's why they think they're created this way. And that if you don't, and if, uh, and if God didn't want them to be that way, He wouldn't have created them that way. And you're all ignorant for not seeing that and for not loving them. They're living out of their soulless realm, their emotions, their feelings. They do not understand who they really are in Christ. So we love them, of course, more than anybody ever would. More than anybody ever will. We're the ones still praying for them, hoping as long as there's life in that body, we will never let anyone harm them. We will never do any harm to them. We will protect them with our laws and everything else. But we will never come in agreement with the lie that is deceived. Because that 
is not God who has done that thing. Amen. <laughs> in the Spirit. We draw it out. If you, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you don't speak in tongues, you need it. You need it. Take you hours sometimes in your natural and your known tongue praying just to get past your flesh and into the presence of the Lord. You can do it instantly. Praying in the Spirit. That is the best dipper you can use to draw from the well. Need help with that? Let me know. I love you all. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day and for this time together. Thank you for your precious word. Thank you for cutting me off short, Lord, just because it's your will, not mine. And I think that that means you have spoken to your people and that you have made deposits here. Lord, I just ask that you help them protect. Your word says that the enemy will come immediately to try and steal this word from their hearts so that it cannot take root and bear fruit in their lives. So that it cannot help them, which would in turn help others. Lord, I, I pray against this. I ask that you put a hedge of protection around these people. Help them to, to remember you and to meditate on your word and your provision and your promises and make these truths revelation knowledge in their hearts and minds. I thank you, Lord, for your amazing love for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen.